kiddos, if you'd like to be dismissed for Children's Church, uh, what's it, three-year-olds to third grade, you can be dismissed for Children's Church and follow Miss Grace and Becca out the back there. If you have your Bibles with you, we're in uh, Colossians chapter 1, and uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in uh, Colossians, did I say that right? Colossians chapter 1. I said that the first time? Yeah. Okay, good. Yes, excellent. Um, I, um, uh, let's see, man, a lot to say this morning. Let's see, where to start? Um, let's see, I wanted to, wanted to first, um, well, let's, let's talk about this. One of the reasons we know that Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians is that their word had gotten back to Paul. Probably he was in Rome under house arrest there during that time in Acts, if you recall, when he was in, in Rome. And, uh, um, Epaphras was a man who founded the church in, uh, in Colossae, and then uh, Epaphras apparently went to Rome and saw Paul there and brought back a report about what was going on in Colossae. And uh, there, was, uh, there were some disturbing things going on in Colossae. There, matter of fact, matter of fact uh, if you look at any of the churches of the New Testament, there were disturbing things going on in the churches uh, of the New Testament. Uh, but in Colossae, there was, um, there was a particularly uh, kind of odd thing. There was some false teaching going on there, and, and there's been what has been described now as the Colossian heresy is, what's go- is what was happening there in, uh, in, in, in that city. And so we don't know exactly what it was that, that, that the false teachings were, but, but we do know, basically, we kind of have to reverse engineer and see what arguments Paul's making against them so that we can kind of understand what, the heresy, her- what those heresies taught but basically, um, does everybody know this term syncretism? Syncretism is like, um, I'm going to take, what, you know, the kind of the religion I grew up in. Maybe it's uh, whatever. Maybe it's uh, mysticism. Maybe it's Hinduism. Maybe it's uh, Muslim, Islam, maybe any of those things. And then you add something else. So then you add Christ to that or you add something else. And, and it's basically syncretism is this, just this constant addition of all these kind of mystical beliefs, all these kind of religious beliefs. And so that's what, that's what they were doing apparently in Colossae. Um, and because there's some part of it that appears to be very extreme Judaism uh, where they're describing, you know, Paul's saying that there's apparently there's these really strict rules about religious festivals. There's really strict rules about what you can eat and what you can drink. Uh, but it also had maybe an early form of Gnosticism. Gnosticism was this kind of bizarre kind of uh, mystical religion where, where people believed that you, could, um, that you could come to know all these different spiritual beings, and these spiritual beings had, had certain realms of influence, and, and that you could actually kind of go on this little extra bodily tour, and, and the more you learned about these supernatural beings and you learned their names and all this stuff, that the more you learned about them, the, the, you know, the higher you would attain. It's very, very kind of new agey now you know what they describe as new age is actually nothing new at all it's been around forever and has been a uh, heresy since its beginning but anyway um, all those things so all of these things and they also taught about, there was kind of an asceticism they call it, that means a harsh treatment of the body what that where, where that comes from is that's that idea that well everything that's spiritual is good and everything that's physical must be bad and so what that taught was well so then what i need to do is i need to teach my body not to have any pleasure in physical things and so it said, don't, you know, don't eat food that you enjoy. Don't drink drinks that you enjoy. Take no part in the physical world because everything in the physical world is evil. Everything in the spiritual realm is good. And so it really taught some very harsh treatment of the body, very different than what the, the Bible teaches, right? The Bible teaches that the creation was good, that it was created by God. And one of the things that Paul would write in another letter is that it's all created for our enjoyment, very different than what the Bible teaches. But overall, here's the, here's the big point of it all. 
What this Colossian heresy taught was this, was that Jesus Christ is not enough. That was the heresy. The heresy was is that, yeah, you got to, you, you know, you have some of Jesus, but you also need these rules about, about food, and you need these rules about, about fi, uh, religious festivals and what to drink and what not to drink. Uh, not only do you need Jesus Christ, but you also need to, to know and, and worship these other spirit, supernatural beings or angels. You've you got to know them and you've got to worship them. Or, yeah, you need to have some of Jesus Christ, but you also have to have this, uh, you have to be uh, circumcised, you have to have all this, uh, all, these, uh, all these ideas about Gnosticism and, and the secret knowledge about supernatural beings. And in the end, what it taught over and over and over again was Jesus Christ is not enough. You have to have more. That's why we call it a heresy, right? <laughs> That's why we call it a heresy. But we're going to read now. This is Paul's response. And I tell you, this is, I know I say this every week, but I really mean it. This is some of my favorite my favorite context in all of the scriptures. This is so great because it's so, the grandeur here, what Paul's going to say, he's going to talk about how grand, how supreme, how all-sufficient Jesus Christ is, that he is over everything and he is supreme over all. He has supreme authority. He has supreme place. He is over everything and there is nothing that he is lacking in. In exact opposite of what the, of what the Colossian heresy was, Paul is going to, if I may use the term, go off on the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Okay, so here we go. Would you read with me in Colossians chapter 1? We're, we're going to read, uh, this, today we're going to read uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. He's talking about Jesus Christ here. You remember last week we talked that, that he prayed, for, he prayed for, um, for the Colossians, and he said, he said, I'm praying that God will fill you with knowledge um, and so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and, and he's going to pray for him. I, I pray that you're going to have a, an increase about the, about the, uh, of a knowledge of God. I pray that, that, that your understanding of who God is and who Jesus Christ is and, and what he's done, I pray that you would get a bigger picture of that because in the end, a greater understanding of who God is and what he's accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ will change your life. Amen? Amen. Okay, so Colossians chapter 1, he's talking about Jesus Christ now. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held down in the gospel, this, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. All right, so let's dive in here. Let's talk about it. Let's start in verse 15 and, and go through what, what uh, Paul's saying about who Jesus Christ is. And, and let me just, let, let me kind of summarize what he's going to say. He's going to talk about Jesus Christ in three different ways. He's going to tell you who Jesus is in relation to God, 
who Jesus is in relation to all of creation and who Jesus is in relation to the church. That's what's coming in the following verses. And in all of these things, he's just going to proclaim over and over again, Jesus Christ is supreme over all. He's supreme and he's sufficient over everything. And that he rules. He is the rightful Lord and King and ruler of all of these things. He is the head of all of these things. So he's going to start. Carl, would you mind, uh, could you get me a, a cup of water? Thanks, brother. So here he goes. He's going to start, and the very first thing he's going to say about Jesus Christ, he's going to say, he is the image of the invisible God. Um, I, I love that. I love this, this term, image. Now, when you and I think about image, we, we tend to think about image in terms of, um, of someone may have an image of themselves. You know, we, we may think about a product and think about how Coca-Cola brands itself, and Coca-Cola kind of has an image or an icon. This is not that term. We, you know, we tend to think of image as like a, maybe a reflection in a mirror or, or like a, a, a picture of yourself, right? If I was standing here and holding a picture of myself, this picture is not me. You know, this is picture is just a reflection of me. What is meant here, what Paul's talking about here, and what he says here about Jesus Christ is, is that God is invisible. Jesus Christ is the visible representation of God. He is, in other words, everything that God is, Jesus is. Every power, every authority, every characteristic that God has, Jesus has, right? He is not just a reflection of God. He's not just a representation. Thank you, brother not just a representation of God, he himself is God. He is a visible reflection, uh, not, not a reflection, a visible expression, a manifestation of who God is because he is God. Amen? A visible uh, expression of who God is. So, I, I, so some of the things that the, some other places that the Bible talks about this in... Um, in, uh, in John chapter 14, that night before Jesus Christ would be, would be, would be crucified the next day, what, what, uh, what happens is that Paul's, I'm sorry, that Jesus Christ is meeting with all of his, his disciples there in the upper room, and, they've had the, and they're having the Last Supper together. And before they have the Last Supper together, he, he talks to them, and he tells them about what's fixing to happen, and they're all confused, and they don't know. But Jesus said to them, he said, anyone who sees me has seen the Father. This is the same idea. Uh, because God and Jesus Christ are equals in many ways, because, because even though they have differences in purpose and differences in their personalities, they are the same. They are one and the same. And so that's why Jesus Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. In other words, God is invisible, but if you've seen me, I'm showing you what he is like, because Jesus Christ is God. The writer of, of Hebrews said it like this in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. He said, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. I, I love that expression. He is the exact representation of God's being. He's, he's the outshining. So the first thing he says is that, is, is that the sun is the radiance of God's glory. In other words, through Jesus Christ, we can see the radiance, this outshining of God's glory, all of the outshining of God's character. And we as people can see it in the Lord Jesus Christ where we can't see it in our invisible God, uh, but we can see it in Jesus Christ. So, so the answer to the first question, who is Jesus in relation to God? He is the visible expression of the invisible God. Next thing, the next question is, who is, who is Jesus in relation uh, to the creation? In verse 16, read with me, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Invisible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Let me talk, let's first talk first about this term firstborn. He is, 
Uh, for by him all things were created, heaven on earth, whether thrones or authorities, uh, rulers. He is before all things. Above. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm getting too far ahead. Let's pause there for just a minute. So who is Jesus Christ? He is described first as being the firstborn over all creation. Now, that term firstborn in biblical context, you guys know this, it, has more to, it, has, it, it is more than just being the firstborn, right? Uh, we know this, right? Even the Old Testament, even way back in Noah's day, uh, the firstborn had particular significance. It, it, so it talked about not just being first in, in, uh, in, in order, but it also talked about being first in priority, right? The first son, the firstborn son got the parents, got the father's what? inheritance, right? He, he got it. He, he was the one who would receive it. And so he's the first in priority, not just the first in time, but he would be the heir to everything that the father owned. He would be the one who would receive it. What does it mean that Jesus Christ is heir to God's kingdom? That means Jesus would receive everything. What does God own? That's quite an inheritance, isn't it? Right, so he is firstborn. In other words, so in in other ways, and another way to think about this too is that is that is that Jesus, you know, a son would be his father's representation. You know, we see it in some of Jesus' parables, where where um, in in one of his parables, where where a father sent his son to go look after his father's affairs. And so this is what we have here: is that Jesus is not only heir, but also God's representative over all creation. And what's it say here? Uh, was it the was it God the Father that created everything? Was it Jesus Christ, the Son, who created everything? doesn't mention the Holy Spirit here, but we know in other passages that the Holy Spirit, too, was involved in all creation. But just as surely as God created and spoke things into existence, it was mediated, the creation was mediated through Jesus Christ so that He created, He was involved in and mediated the creation of all of the universe. And notice what He says here, not just the physical things, not just the things we see, not just stars, not just the planets, but everything visible and invisible over every power and authority, whether they're, they're, they're natural or supernatural, Jesus Christ was involved in the creation of them all. Here's the great thing. As the creator overall, he is over everything. He is ruler because he's established them and created them by his power. Um, he is the ruler over all creation. Uh, so, um, let's see, what else? Uh, the other thing, so, um, the, the firstborn over all creation in verse 15. Now look what it says in verse 16 about this special relationship between creation and, and Jesus Christ. For it says, he's going to use three prepositions here, very important. He's going to use three prepositions to, to express about how uh, the creation and, and Jesus Christ relate. And what he says here, he, he says first that, he says first that, Everything, all things were created by him or in him. Um, that, he was the, that he was the originating sinner, that it was out of his personal power that, that all things came into existence, that creation occurred within the sphere of his power and authority. And so all things exist by him or in him. The other thing, the next thing he uses is, is, is uh, through him or, or by him, depending on which translation you're reading. But through him, everything came, apart, came into existence because he was the mediating agent uh, one of the ways that uh, the people maybe come to understand this is, the, is that God the Father spoke, and when he spoke, that, 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 that word breath in, in the Old Testament, New, New Testament is like is pneuma, and, and some of the same terms that we use to describe the Spirit. And so when God the Father spoke, he spoke by the Holy Spirit, but the form, the thing that took shape was the Word of God that took shape over creation, and that Word is described in John chapter 1 as Jesus Christ. 
They were all three involved in creation. So the creation is by him and through him, but not only that, and I think maybe the thing that's most mind-blowing here is that it was all for him as well. Look with me. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, authorities, all things were created by him and for him. I can't tell you that simple little phrase has so much meaning. It's just incredible. But get this. Everything that was created was created for the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, every star that was created is created that Jesus Christ might be glorified. Every plant, every animal, uh, every, every muon, every subatomic particle, every one of them was created that Jesus Christ might be glorified. What that means to you and me, though, is this, is that every one of us were created that Jesus Christ might be glorified. We were all created for his glory. In other words, the, all of the universe shares this one unifying principle. It's all for him. Amen? It's all for him. Everything for him. Here's, here's, uh, let, me, let me just make a point of application here before we go on. What that means is, is that so many times you and I struggle because we try to make our lives, we try to make our money, we try to make our relationships all about us. The truth is, when we do that, we are robbing Jesus Christ of the glory that he deserves. Amen? He is the ruler over all. He's the ruler over my life, and he is the one who should receive glory and honor over every aspect of my life because he is the one for whom everything was created, including you and me. Amen? All right, let's continue. So so here is... So who is Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus in relation to, to the creation? He is, he is the Lord over the creation. He is the creator and the sustainer of everything. And creation is by him and through him and for him, everything being for him. And verse 17 says some incredible stuff. He is before all things, and in him all things are. Hold together. It's interesting. A lot of these things, um, this, this particular sentence is, is spoken in present tense. What it's saying is that he was involved in creation from the beginning, but even to this day, he sustains all of creation. I remember one time when I was uh, in chemistry class, I believe it was, but, but we were talking about how, how gravity has this unifying work that, that their bodies um, in, in you know, subatomic particles and, and atoms that, that uh, that, that, uh, that rotate around, you know, you've got electrons that rotate around a nucleus, and then you have uh, uh, solar systems, and, and you have a, a star in the center that planets revolve around, and, and you have this unifying pulling together of gravity that, that pulls and holds all these things together. And, and, and what's, cause, what's keeping all those things from coming together? You know, if, if all of a sudden the, the earth was pulled into the sun, it would be a bad day for us, right? If all of a sudden then something fell apart and, and instead of gravity holding us, gravity let go, that would be a bad day for us as well. One would be death by fire, the other would be death by ice, right? Um, that would be a very bad thing. What is it that holds the universe? What is it that holds every, every atom of our being together? What is it that holds every universe together, all the universe, every solar system together? The Lord Jesus Christ sustains it all. He is Lord overall creation, even to this day sustaining it. There's another passage of Scripture that says that he sustains in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, says that he sustains or he holds it together by the power of his word. He continues to hold together 
all of creation by his mighty power, by his word. He is creator, sustainer. Creation is by him, for him, and through him. Next, what does it say in verse 18? It says this, He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So in the church, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? He is the head of the church. In other words, he is the one who has the authority and the power over everyone in the church who can dictate and guide and direct every one of our lives. Amen? He is Lord of the church. He is the head of the church. He is the head over me and my life. He's the ruler over you in your life. He is the one who has the authority to speak into our lives and to tell us how to live. Amen? Because he is our Lord, our master, our king. He is the one who rules over the church. Not only does it talk about him ruling over church, it also talks about his role. Um, um, he is, he, yeah, let's skip down. How about verse 19? For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. I love that. It, it, was, God's, it was God's pleasure. It was his will to have all the character, all the personality, all the, all the power and authority and creative power of God. God was pleased to have all of that dwell in the Lord Jesus Christ. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So, yeah, what's he saying here is this, is that um, God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell, but not only that, he was also pleased to reconcile everything that had been lost in sin. Everything that had been lost in the fall, God is now reconciling, bringing back to himself. That term reconcile in the New Testament refers to an exchange to an exchange, sorry, to an exchange. What what that says is that we were once all enemies of God, but now there's been an exchange, and instead of there being enemy or enmity between us and God, there's friendship between us and him now, amen? Now, instead of us being separated from him, we've been adopted into his family. Now, instead of there being this this torn relationship between us and God, there's been reconciliation. There's been a change in the relationship, and it's happened because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for us. Amen? All right. Um, So in relation to the chip to the church, who is is Jesus? He is the head of the church. He is her, her reconciler. He is her peacemaker, and Jesus Christ is over all. He is the God over all creation. He is God who is equal to God in the heavens. He is the God who is over his church. He is the head of the church. He is the ruler of all of these things. I need to, I'm not going to get much further in in kind of our verse by verse stuff, but let me, let me just read this last paragraph and then we'll get to get to, uh, to, to the application. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. See, here's what the Bible says is that there, there's, a, there's a stark difference. There are people who have not come to Christ and they're still lost in their sin. And between them and God is a broken relationship and there's, there's enmity and there's, there's discord. There's, there's no relationship there because of what's happened in our, in, our, in our society and what's happened in our own lives where we've become separated from God. But now, in verse 22, he has reconciled you. He's exchanged that relationship between us and God. He's exchanged our, our broken, uh, uh, evil lives, broken, uh, our broken lives, and has exchanged it for something better. We've now exchanged it for a holy life. He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, if not moved from the hope, 
held down in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. How about that? So yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ um, has done all of this for us. And if, if we hold on, if we persevere, it shows that we are truly believers. Amen? Amen? Here's what I'd like to do. Here's what I'd like to do to close. Is I want to ask you the same question that the, that the people in Colossae were asking themselves. Is Jesus enough? Is he enough for you? Let me, can I ask you, would you mind bowing your head for just a moment and, and, uh, and closing your eyes? I, I just want to, I want to I put this to you because I think this is something we all struggle with. Even as believers, we still continue to struggle with this. Is Jesus Christ enough for you? The Apostle Paul has just painted us a picture and, he, and he's shown us that Jesus Christ, by his creative power, by his involvement in creation, has demonstrated that he has power over all creation, that he is, he is the Lord or the King or the ruler over all creation. But some of the problems that we have sometimes is that we tend to worship created things instead of the Creator. We tend to think of, of things about, you know, about getting our significance from things that are created instead of getting our significance from the Creator. We, we, we can chase and pursue money or we can chase and pursue power or we can chase and pursue other people when the problem all along is the God who is overall is the one that we've been looking for. Amen? He's the one that we've been looking for. And in all of his fullness, we find fulfillment. That's what, that's what, that's what Colossians is going to say over and over again. But, but not only that, is, uh, is, is he's the head of the church. And, and so I want to ask this, this of you, is that, you know, Paul has just described for us that he's the head of the church. That means that he's the, he's the ruler. He's the one who can guide and direct our lives. He's also the one who can tell us how to live. I want to ask you this morning, are you living your life in such a way that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life? Or, you, or have you taken over as, as Lord and master of your life? Have you decided that you want to live the way that you want to live with, with no, real, um, no real thought to what Jesus Christ would want for you? I want to offer this to you this morning. As long as you're doing that, you're robbing Jesus Christ of his rightful place in your life, and you're robbing him of the authority that he has in your life. You're, 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 you're robbing him of, of, of the glory that, it, that is due him through your life. He is the one who's in the rightful place for everything was created, including you. You were created for him, that he might receive glory, that he might receive honor by a life that is truly submitted to him. Who is Jesus to you? Is he enough? Are you reaching for other things in your life, trying to feel significant or important? Are you reaching out for other things to try to save you? The Apostle Paul would say over and over and over again, Jesus Christ is enough. He is more than enough. He is supreme over all. He's our creator, our reconciler, our peacemaker. I'm going to read just a little bit here from a, a song called By Your Side by 10th Avenue North. It says this, Why are you striving these days? Why are you trying to earn grace? Why are you crying? Let me lift up your face. Just don't turn away. 
Why are you looking for love? Why are you still searching as if I'm not enough? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we, as we read these passages about the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, about how he is the, the full expression, the representation, the, uh, the manifestation of the invisible God that we can see and we can, we can see who you are, Lord God, by, by the Lord Jesus Christ because he is God. He is God who's come in human form so that we can, we can recognize you, Lord God, when we see you, so that we can know what you're like. And you are God. You are full, fully God in, in, in a body being fully man. Not only that, Lord God, you are the Lord of all creation. Everything that's been created came from you. Every power and authority, you're over every one of them. And so, Father, we worship you as, as the ruler over all creation. Not only that, Lord, but we know that everything was created by you and it was created for you, that we were created, that there's this, there's this unifying um, um, aspect in, in all of the universe that this is all for you. It's not for us. So, Father, forgive us. I, there are times in our lives that we wander away. There are times in our lives that we want to be in control. There are times in our lives, in our lives that we don't want to wait for you. We don't want to trust you. We want to we move on and do our own thing, and I pray this morning that you would forgive us for that. I pray this morning, Lord God, for there's someone here this morning who needs to make that right with you, who needs to come to you and say, Lord God, I, I will wait for you. You are, you are, the, you are the, the head of the church and you are the Lord of my life. I pray this morning, Father, for confession and repentance and a, and a following you. Father, finally, too, I just, we want to pray this. Father, for, for all of us who, uh, everyone who's struggling this morning, just as surely as, as the Bible declares that you're the sustainer of all creation, Lord, you're also the sustainer of our lives. You're the one who holds us together. And so, Father, we just worship you this morning, and we say to you, Lord, we just hang on to you. We hold on to you as you hold on to us, and you, and you sustain us. We just pray for your, your grace and your strength and your power that it might be at work in us to sustain us through, through difficulties and hard times, Lord God. And we worship you knowing, Lord God, that you are the Savior that we've looked for. You are the one that we, that we, um, that we need in our lives to give us strength and power, Lord God, uh, to do all that you've called us to do and to make it through the days. Thank you for this. We thank you, Lord God, for all of these things. Lord, I pray for us too. That for um, we all have a tendency to wander away from you. We all have a tendency to look for for importance and significance in everywhere else, anywhere else that we can find it, but you, Father. I pray that we would stop searching, and we would we would look to you, so that you could be honored and glorified in our lives as we worship you, as our rightful Savior, the supreme. Um, being in our lives, the, the, the one who is all-sufficient and the one who is more than enough. Lord, be honored and glorified through us this week. I pray that we would look to you every day for strength. pray we would look to you every day as a, as a Lord of the, of, of the creation. pray that we would look to you every day as our, as our Lord and our Master, as, just as you're head over the church and you're the head over our lives. Give us direction, Lord God, and help us to be obedient to follow you. We pray these things in the, in the Lord and the Savior who is more than enough for us, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Y'all have a great week. Thanks very much. Amen.